This week's parasha is Parashas B'Shalach, Shabashira. We find in the parasha that Bnei Yisrael, after they left Mitzrayim, were now being pursued by Parai V'chelai, the vaunted army, Egyptian army, with all of their weaponry and all of their horses. And Klal Yisrael were very scared. Klal Yisrael, they started crying and screaming to anyone that would listen, and specifically to Meshur Abenu, they tainad hamibliyin kvarim b'mitzrayim. There weren't enough graveyards in Egypt. L'kachtanu lamas b'midbar that we have to hear die at this place. They were trapped. There was the Egyptian army behind them. There was a sea in front of them, and they had no idea what they were going to do, and they assumed that this was their end. Moshe Rabbeinu calmly replied, Just stand and see the Yeshua of Hashem, see the salvation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem yilochem lochem v'atem tacharishon. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will fight your battle for you. Don't worry. V'atem, all that's expected of you is tacharishon, that you should be quiet. Stop screaming, stop crying, stop davening, just be quiet and observe HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Yeshua. And the Mepharshim notice the Lashon of Tacharishon. Tacharishon is a rare use of being quiet. The more conventional word to use when saying to somebody, be quiet, is Tishtok. In Hebrew, I don't know if there is a word Tacharishon today in modern Hebrew. I don't know if people, Shtok, Hashem Yilochim Lachem Ve'atem Tishtoku. What's this Lashon of Tacharishon? That you should be quiet, but a Lashon of Tacharish. And I saw in a sefer called Lekach Das, which is a sefer by Rav Osband from Tells, Rav Isaac Osband, who is the father, Yibadul Chaim, of the Rashiva in Riverdale, who I saw at a chasna this week, and I complimented his father's sefer. I said, every week now I'm using Tyra from your father's sefer, he says a beautiful yisaid that the word tishtaik implies to be quiet, but I'm quiet with a, with a lot of anxiety within. Tishtaik means I'll be quiet, I'll be physically quiet. I won't say a word, but I'll still be nervous. I'll still be stressed. I just won't express any of that stress. I won't scream. I won't cry. I won't complain. But inside, my kishkas are still churning. My, my, my insides are still very, very aggravated, irritated. But I'm quiet. Tacharishon is from a Lashana being a cherish. A cherish, Leelenu, is somebody that has no ability to hear. And that's a terrible thing. But when a person has no ability to hear, he also has no ability to understand fully the consequences of what's going on. And so he has a certain serenity, a certain menuchas nefesh within because he's oblivious to what's going on. Moshe Rabbeinu was telling Klal Yisrael, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will fight your battle. But you should not only be quiet and not complain, but you should be like a cherish that's oblivious to your problems. You should be so full of bitachin in the rabbin Islam. You should be so complete and whole that it's as if it's not even a problem at all. You're not even feeling any tension. You have what we call menuchas hanefesh, the most valuable commodity in the world to have is the ability to not have to be nervous 
to just always be calm. Imagine how life would be so great if no matter what we were going through, we were always able to have shock absorbers. We were always able to not feel the bumps on the road, to not have that stress and that pressure and that anxiety that plagues so many of us. That's what a cherish has. V'yatem tacharish and Moshe Rabbeinu says, I expect you not only to be physically quiet, but to be emotionally quiet, to have complete confidence that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to take care of your every need. Don't be nervous. Don't complain. Don't feel stress. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is on your side. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has your back and everything that will happen to you will be for the best. That's the Madrega of Tacharishon. And that is something that we learn from this week's parsha is expected of each and every one of us. Because we all have our moments when Parai is chasing after us. What does Parai mean? What does the word Parai come from? Parai means hafra'a. Hafra'a means distractions. Al-tafriyoti. Don't, uh, don't, don't bother me. All of those bothers, all of those stresses that we have in life, that's our personal parai. How many stresses do we have? How many, whether it's from tests that we're taking, whether it's from social issues, financial issues, there are so many things that stress the human being out that take its toll on our bodies and our minds and our hearts and our souls. And we are expected to understand HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Yilochem Lachem. He's taking care of everything. He's in the driver's seat. V'yatem Tacharishin. Just be calm. Don't get nervous. Everything will be okay. There's a plan. The Chavis Avavis, in his famous Shara B'Tochen, in the Hakdama, writes that one of the Hasidim, Hasidim means the, one of the pious people, which is very common that the Chavis Lavavas writes about a Chassid Echad, who whenever he uses a, uh, a story, a mushal, a, uh, an example, he'll speak about a Chassid. And he'll say that one Chassid used to daven to the Rabbi Nisham. What was his tefillah? Please save me from Pizar HaNefesh. The greatest threat that we have in our life is Pizar HaNefesh, when we have a scattered Nefesh. What does that mean to have a scattered Nefesh? Scattered Nefesh means that we have no calmness in our life. We're always tense. We're always worried. Our minds are always racing about issues that we have. Are these issues important? Of course they are. Every issue that we have is important. But those issues that we have, if we let them rule over us, if we let them dominate our, our minds, our life is not a life. We know this. We know every day that we daven. We daven three times a day. Think about how often our, our davening is completely distracted because we're thinking about our problems. So every single bracha in Shemana Esrei is a disaster. Instead of being able to concentrate on Rifaino about Rafua and Slachlano about Kapara, and Shema Kaleinu about, about our Bakashis and Maidim about Haidah. Every single bracha is completely clouded by our problems, by what we're thinking about. Reb Levi Yitzchak Mibarditchev used to say that when a Yid makes Eisa Shalom at the end of Shemana Esrei, when you say, when you take three steps back and you say Eisa Shalom and Raimav, you should go over to that Yid and say Shalom Aleichem. Why? Because during the Shemina Esrei, a Yid travels all over the globe. And you're thinking about everything, every problem, and every situation, every current event. Your mind is not focused on what you're saying before the Rabbi Nishlaim because you have Pizar HaNefesh. 
our learning gets clouded. We're learning in every other line of Gemara that we learn, every Pasuk and Chumash that we, that we read, whatever we're doing, we're thinking about our tests and we're thinking about our problems, about the, the issues that we're having. We have no ability to have that serenity, that peace of mind, that ability to just be normal, to be focused, to be, to clear our brain of all of the scatteredness so that we could focus like a laser on, on our Abedas Hashem and what's important to us. When we spend time with our family, we're looking at our phones, we're looking at our emails, at our text messages, we're not able to focus on anything. Our life is not a life. I've been to restaurants and I, uh, you know, you see people sitting around at other, at other tables and nobody's looking at each other. Everybody is looking at their phones. Everybody's on their phones. I once saw a cartoon that there was a husband and a wife in a restaurant and, and the husband was just looking at his iPhone the whole time. And the wife says, it's one caption, the wife says, could you please paste that phone to my forehead so at least I, I'm, I could believe that you're looking at me? That's become our life. Our life has become so scattered, so unfocused, so unhealthy that we're not able to live and so the greatest threat to our life, we're breathing. We have a pulse, Baruch Hashem. But what kind of life is it? How much quality of life can we possibly have if we're always nervous about everything? And the Chavisal says that the greatest dividend, the greatest tayelas that we can have from Bitochen, which is the shower that he's dealing with, having confidence in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is the ability to be able to have Menuchas HaNefesh. That's all we want in life. If a person has that menuchas hanefesh, then they are the most lucky person in the world. And when a person has no menuchas hanefesh, they are the unluckiest person in the world. A person could be very wealthy, but so what? He's, he's so not focused. He's so not relaxed that his life is not a life. And then you can have a poor person that's living b'chayser kail with abject poverty, but he's He's able to daven like a mensch. He's able to learn like a mensch. He could spend a Shabbos meal like a mensch. And he's the richest person in the world. It's not a money thing, life. It's all about menucha sanefesh. It's about being able to focus. It's about being able to somehow clear our minds of all of the pollution and all the irritants and all of the distractions so that we could actually get once again a life. And this is the parsha. His yatsvu ruas yeshuas Hashem. Hashem yilochem lochem ve'atem tacharishon. Moshe Rabbeinu was not just talking to Klal Yisrael then. He was talking to us today to make sure that understand that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is here for us. Hashem yilochem lochem, but you have to be tacharishon. You have to understand that your part of the bargain is to be normal to be a cherish, to not hear everything, to not be able to process all of this junk in our minds that take us away from our Avedis Hashem. Once we understand how chashev it is to have menuchas hanefesh, now we have to try to work on how to get Menuchas HaNefesh. You know, the Altaf and Slabotka, the Altaf and Kalim, rather, was the human being that brought this concept of Menuchas HaNefesh perhaps the most to Klal Yisrael. He made a famous yeshiva in Kalim called the Beis HaTalmud. And the Beis HaTalmud was a, an amazing yeshiva which produced G'dayle Eilam. And it was built on this premise. The cornerstone of this yeshiva was that we are going to create people that actually have Menuchas HaNefesh. They have peace and tranquility in their soul. And they're able, therefore, to function in a healthy way, in a natural way, to be able to be normal. And once the Altaf and Kellum's daughter came home and she was very excited to report to her father that she went to a big doctor 
in, in the big city. Kelm was a small little shtetl, but she went to a big city. She had to see a doctor for some reason. And one of the things that the doctor prescribed to her was not just a certain medication, but also he said that you have to have menucha sanefesh. This was not a Jewish professor. If it was, it wasn't a from professor. And so she was very excited to come home to tell her father that even, even the medical profession also is advising menucha sanefesh as a major trufa, as a major cure for problems. And her father was pleased that she told him this, but he said, did you ask him the most important question? She said, well, what's that? How do you get Menucha Sanefesh? Once you have the big doctor from the big city advising you that you have to be relaxed, you have to be calm, did you ask him, how do I do that? Because that's a $64,000 question. How is a person able to acquire Menucha Sanefesh? A person would be willing to spend millions of dollars to have Menucha Sanefesh. How do you get that? What is the trick to be able to live a life that I'm not distracted, to live a life that I'm calm and I'm serene and I'm tranquil and I'm just that, I'm just chilled. How am I able to be that way? So let's discuss a little bit how they did it in Kelm. Because Kelm is the, is the epicenter for Menucha Sanefesh. That's the place that you wanted to go in life to find the source of Menuchas Nefesh. So if we could do a little bit of research and, and try to figure out what, what, uh, what the Menuchas Nefesh principle was in Kalim, then maybe we'll be able to find out what we can do to attain it. And I think it's going to be a little bit of a surprise what they did in Kalim to get Menuchas Nefesh. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky spent six months in Kelm. And it was right after he got married, and then he left. He couldn't take it anymore in Kelm. He said, it's important that everybody spends a little time in Kelm, but I couldn't spend that much time there because it was just not for me. Why not? Because in Kelm, what they taught was that you have to have total self-control over oneself. And this is going to be the way that you attain Menucha Sanefesh. What do I mean when I say self-control? I don't mean like what we consider self... When we speak about self-control, we speak about, okay, if I'm addicted to smoking, I have to have the self-control not to have a cigarette. If I need to lose weight, I have to have the self-control not to have that piece of chocolate cake. And if I'm addicted to uh, drugs, or if I'm addicted to, uh, um, you know, whatever I'm addicted to, I have to have self-control to stop myself from that addiction. That's not what self-control meant in Kelm. That was assumed that you would never do any of those things. But in Kelm, what they did was, they made you have control over every single motion of your body. Not to do anything that was unnecessary. Anything that's extraneous had to be cut out or else you were in violation of the principle of seder, of complete order that Kelm mandated. Let me give you an example, and this is why Abiyakov Kamenetsky left. One time, it was on a Monday or Thursday morning and there was Kriya Satira. And the Gabai said, looked around, there was no Kayin in the room. So he called up a Yisrael bim Kayin Kayin. Now, Yaakov Kamenetsky noticed that there was a Kayin that had just walked into the back of the base Medrash. So he did what everyone would do. He, you know, ran over to the Gabai and said, no, there's a Kayin here. And for that he was fined. Because what right did you have to turn your head around and notice that there was a kain in the back of the base medrash. Who told you that you were able to crane your head and to look away from your siddur, from your chumash? That's how regimented it was in Kalim. He says, I couldn't tell you. After a while, I was going crazy. There was a, a story, I don't know if it's apocryphal or if it was true, 
but there was a, a mayor of Kalem, and he had a visiting dignitary from the big city, I don't know, from, from a, a government senator, a congressman, whatever it would be the equivalent of, and he wanted to show the major attractions of Kalem. He was showing off his city. And one of the stops that he made was the Kalem base Majors, the base of Palman in Kalem. And he told this minister, this visiting minister, that this is a very special place. He says the students in this building are so self-controlled that they are not permitted to turn their head around during their learning say there during their learning uh, you know, course, they're sitting in, the, in this room and they're studying their texts and they are not going to turn their head around. He said, I don't believe it. It's impossible. He said, it's true. He said, I'll prove it to you. I'm going to bring you this morning into the, the base medrash, into their study hall, with a tuba player. And the tuba player will start playing a musical song on this loud tuba. The bass atom was not a huge bass manager. It wasn't, you know, Panovich bass manager. It was a bass manager probably smaller than this one. And the tuba player will stand in the back of the bass madrash. He'll blow a tuba. And there won't be a single boy out of the hundreds of boys in Callum. There will not be a single student that turns their head around to see what's going on. That's how self-controlled they were. The Kachava. Rav Desler was a Talmud of Kalim. And later on, of course, Rav Desler moved to England and then Eretz Yisrael. I believe it was in Eretz Yisrael. He was sitting by a bus stop. We all know how it is to sit and wait by a bus stop in Eretz Yisrael. And the bus was running a little bit late. So what do you do when a bus runs late? You keep looking on the street, you know, to see up the road if the bus is coming. That's normal. Rav Desler was sitting in the bus stop. He was, I don't know if he was learning a safer, he was talking to somebody, and, and he, he turned his head to see whether or not the bus was coming. And then he caught himself. This was years after he had left Callum. And he said, Oi! He says, if I would still be a Bachar in Kalim, they would have fined me for that, for that one action. Would the turning of my head to see if the bus is coming, would it make the bus come any faster? So that was considered to be something that was an extraneous action. You didn't have a cheshbon for turning your head. And so that was considered to be some, an infraction that would go against Menucha Sanefesh. This is the extremity of Kalim. How rigorous their pursuit of Menucha Sanefesh was that they had to have everything with perfect order. Everything had to be understood, analyzed, orderly, controlled. You know what the last Musa Shmuz of Kalim was? Kalim is obviously no longer existent. Kalim, the city with the yeshiva and the community, were liquidated by the Nazis, Yemach Shemam B'Zichram. And they marched the entire yeshiva to the killing fields outside of Kalim. If you ever want to go there, I've never been there myself, but there is today a, an area that they know exactly where they were shot to death, where they were buried, and there's a matseva there describing the Kedoshe Kalim and how they marched to the killing fields and they were singing and they were being led by their Rosh Hashivas. And one of the Rosh Hashivas, his name is Daniel Mavshevitz. Also a great Kalmer Talmud and a great student of this, of this Shita. And the people of Kalim were standing and they were being held at gunpoint by the pits that they had dug, which would ultimately be their graves. And Rabbi Daniel Mavshevitz asked the Nazis to permit him to say some final words to his yeshiva, to his community. And the wicked officer allowed it, but said, you have to keep your remarks very brief. So Rabbi Daniel gave over his last schmooze calmly, with complete serenity. They weren't panicked because they, they were living this Kalim Shita 
They were true to it, even at the last moment of their life. And he was giving a schmooz on the subject, of course, of Kiddush Hashem. And when the German grew annoyed by the length of his schmooz, he shouted at Reb Daniel to conclude his words. Then Reb Daniel faced the Jews who were standing at the edge of the pits, and he said, We are now faced with a situation that I have just spoken about. Kiddush Hashem. Therefore, do not panic. It is necessary to accept serenely the Gzardin. This was the Shita of Kalim. Everything had to be with Menucha Sanefesh. Till the last moment, everything needed to be with serenity, without any anxiety, without any stress, without panic. And then he faced the German and he said, I have concluded. You can begin. Even at the last moment, everything in Kalim was done, Mesudradik. Everything was done with, a, with an exact specification, with a plan, with, a, with an order. And my ha'ara on this Shita of Kalim, and maybe you're wondering the same thing, is how is this Menuchas Anefesh? This is like the opposite of Menuchas Anefesh. Imagine living your life that you can't turn around. You can't look for a bus. You can't, uh, you know, walk in a random direction. You can't look at something that's that's not right in front of your face. Is that our definition of menucha sanefesh? That would be the most stressful thing in the world for us. My definition of menucha sanefesh would be to chill, to lie on a couch, to schmooze with my friends, to be able to do what I want when I want it. That's Menuchas HaNefesh, like a nice, happy, Kishmaka, chilled lifestyle. Kelam, that's Menuchas HaNefesh, to have such strict order that everything has to be regimented, everything has to be exactly, you know, perfect. That would make me nervous. That would make me so anxious. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky got nervous from this. How is this Menuchas HaNefesh? That's my Ha'ara on the Kalim principle. Now, obviously, they're right and I'm wrong. I just want to know, why am I wrong and what are they doing right? And the only thing that I thought of, and maybe you could think of a different thing, is that this was not supposed to be the way to attain Menuchas HaNefesh. Menuchas HaNefesh was not going to come from being so strictly regimented, to be robotic. That's not Menuchas HaNefesh. Menuchas HaNefesh ultimately comes from one thing. Menuchas HaNefesh is a product, like the Chayvis Halavavis said, of Bitachin Bashem. I believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Whatever HaKadosh Baruch Hu does is for the best. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu is making me go through this difficult, trying situation... It must be that I need to go through this trying situation. I can't change the situation because obviously this is what's meant to be. If this is what's meant to be, then it must be for the best. And I have to make the best of it. It's an Isayan for me. It's a Kapara for me. It's ultimately going to be for the best. Whatever way we want to look at it, but that's what's going to give me Menuchas HaNevet. It's the Bitochein Ba'ashem. It's the knowing that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is my father. Knowing that HaKadosh Baruch Hu cares about me, loves me, is looking out for me. That's what Menuchas HaNefesh comes from, period. You look in the Shara Bitach and he speaks about it so beautifully. You know, he says about somebody that's an alchemist. Let's say you have the ability to change tin into gold. Let's say you had that ability, or let's modernize that example. Let's say you had an ATM machine in your basement. And whenever you needed money, you would just go down to that ATM machine and you would type in whatever you need and out would spit, you know, hundreds of dollars. And it wouldn't be taken off of your banking account. just free money. If you would have that ability to have unlimited funds, wouldn't you be like a happy, stress-free person? More than that, says the Chayva Savavah, is having HaKadosh Baruch behind you. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has unlimited funds. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a kol yachal. HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves us. HaKadosh Baruch Hu cares about us. HaKadosh Baruch Hu controls everything. Just like if I'd have that ATM machine in my basement, I'd be walking around on cloud nine without any stresses of, at least financially, 
That's how you have to understand that life is for us. If you have a, if you're a b'teach b'ashem, then everything is, everything should be happy. You could stand by a, the, the pit of a grave and know that it's your final moment and I'm serene because this is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. If we believe in God, then there's nothing that should make us nervous. You know why Kellum understood that being organized to such a degree will lead us to Menucha Sanefesh? I think it's because only if you're an organized person can you really appreciate and understand that there's an organization in the world? When you're a sloppy person, if you're a person that never makes his bed in the morning, so you know whenever you come back to your room, your, your room is going to look like a mess. Okay, and your, your sheets are going to be all crumpled, and your pillow is going to be here, and there's socks on the floor, and your towel is going to be, you know, on, you know, getting your bed all wet. And there's dishes in your sink and your, you know, and, and everything is, there's, there's gravy all over your counters. And the, the, the apartment is a complete mess. Okay, so that's not good on many levels. But the most important reason why it's not good is because when you're sloppy and you're not organized, then you don't see anything as being organized in the world. Imagine if you come back to your room and everything is nice and neat and proper. That your desk is clean and your bed is made nicely and your pillows are just where they should be and your socks and your underwear and your, and your shoes. Everything is misudder. Then you could see the whole world as having a certain order. You can appreciate the atoms. You can appreciate the trees. You can appreciate the ecosystem because you see the world as being orderly. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it says, is Mesader as HaKaychav. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the most orderly being in the universe, obviously. Everything is with an order. If you're taking any sciences, you know this. Biology and chemistry. You have a periodic table of the elements. Every single thing has a perfect order. There's an atom number, and then there's the, uh, you know, there's the atomic number, and then there's the, uh, you know, the amount of electrons, the amount of shells, the amount of... All of these things is perfect. It's a perfect system. HaKadosh Baruch Hu built everything with perfection. Inside of a molecule, and inside of a cell, and inside of a heart, and inside of a vein, and inside of a capillary, and the lungs, and the brains, and the eyes, and the ears. Everything is operating with complete utter perfection, but you will not be able to appreciate that. You know why? Because you're sloppy. If you're sloppy, you will see the entire world as being a mess. In Kellum, I believe they were driven by the fact that we have to organize our life to the nth degree because the more that we are organized, the more that we could see the orderliness of Ashkaches Hashem Aleinu. If we are orderly, then God must be orderly. And I'm able to see that there's a sequence, there's a pattern. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is doing this, which will lead to that, which will lead to my Yeshua. Why is he doing this? I don't know, but there's an order. Something is happening. There is a chain of events that's going to take place, and ultimately it's going to be for my best. Right now I'm suffering. Right now it's very difficult to bear this oil on me. I'm having terrible issues. I'm having health issues, I'm having financial issues, I'm having social issues, I'm having issues with my parents, with my friends, with my, with my siblings, with my children. I'm, I don't know what's going on. If I'm orderly, I don't see it as being a mess and something that I can't get out of. I see it as being one step in a process that will lead to something better because that's what the organization of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is all about. Bitachin Ba'ashem is the only way to have Menuchas HaNefesh. If you don't believe in God, then you're scared, you're panicked about everything that's happening. Who's going to help me? I don't have a job. I'm looking for a job. I can't... Uh, who's going to be there for me? If you believe in the Rabbi Nishlam, you believe that HaKadosh is going to find you a job. Why didn't I get a job yet? There's a reason. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is patiently waiting for that right opportunity for you to get that right job. This job was not right for you that you didn't get. 
this shidduch was not right. He's waiting for you to be able to, maybe you're not old, or maybe the girl that you're supposed to marry is not dating yet. So he's letting you, you know, go through many, many other girls until you finally converge on the right one. If you don't believe in God, then you're just looking at everything as a reflection of you. Oh, I'm such a, I'm such a loser. She didn't want me, and she didn't want me, and this didn't happen. But if you see that there's a, a plan, if you see that there's some organization in life, then I could, I could tolerate everything. I can understand that there's an, organiz- an organized progression that's going to happen, and ultimately, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, is doing everything perfectly. There's a famous saying, orderliness is godliness. And it's true. If a person is orderly, he's godly. Because God is the most orderly being in the world. Everything is organized in his world. But you have to believe in him. And you have to be orderly yourself in order to experience what orderliness really is all about. If you're organized, then you could see everything is being organized. If you're cluttered, then you have Pizar and Nefesh with everything. There's a medrash that says in this week's parsha, "Be'az chatasi." Moshe Rabbeinu says, "With the word Oz, I have sinned, and with the word Oz, I'm going to sing Shira to the Rabbeinu Shalom." And all of them, the Farshim, the Beis Halevi, I think, made this medrash perhaps the most famous because he has a beautiful vart on what exactly is what does this mean? When did Moshe Rabbeinu say? the word Oz, in a bad way, with a chet, at the end of Parsha Shemais. What happened at the end of Parsha Shemais? Meish Rabbeinu was ordered by Akadosh to go with Aaron and to protest against Parai, go into the palace, tell Parai that this, he'd let my people go. And Parai was getting really annoyed. Who are these people? Meish and Aaron, you're just annoying me. And as a result of that grievance that Pari had against Moshe, instead of sending them out, you know what he did? He says, I used to give the Jews heaven and bricks. I used to give them straw and they used to make bricks. He says, now I'm not going to anymore. Now you're going to have to find your own heaven, your own grain, and you're going to have to make your own bricks. And the quota is going to be the same. Whatever you're expected to build up until now, you're going to be expected to, to, to continue to build. But I'm not going to give you any more Kevin. I'm not going to give you any more bricks. Everything you're going to have to do on your own. And the people got furious at Meshach Rabbeinu, the Klal Yisrael. They said, what are you doing? You made us smell in front of Parah. You made us disgusting to Parah. Because of you, now Parah is really ticked off. And we're, the things that we were given up until now were relatively palatable, and now we can't live. Look what you're doing. You're messing everything up, Maish Rabbeinu. And Maish Rabbeinu turns to panicked at the people's complaints. And he says, Takarishbarcho, they're right. Kimeaz Basi al Parai, from the time that you sent me to it became much worse the situation for the people. What are you doing? How could you do this? Meshach Rabbeinu used the word Oz. Oz From that time that you sent me to Parai, it became so bad. Now we don't have bricks. We don't have Tevin. We have to find it ourselves. You're ruining things for them. I thought that I was the Gael. I thought you were going to send me to Parah and it was just going to be so easy to get them out. And look what's happening. It's the opposite. Disaster. In this week's parsha, Meish Rabbeinu sings a shira to the Rabbeinu Shalom, Oz Yashir Meish. He uses that same word, Oz. But instead of using it as a complaint, he starts off the most beautiful song in human history. What does this mean? What's the Aymek HaDavar? Sa'ayin Halevi, we're not going to say it, we don't have time. But I wanted to say my own vart on this Madrash. When Moshe Rabbeinu was complaining and using that word Oz, 
What does the word Oz connote? What does it mean? Oz means then. Then. Meaning that what should be a seder, what should be a cause and effect, got messed up. I thought that I was supposed to be the Mashiach and Shal Yisrael. You told me that I was going to go to Parai and things were going to effectuate Geula. Ume Oz, Bosiel Parai. But what happened was then, when I went to Parai, Heiralamazeh, I went the opposite. There's no order here. The order is Hafuch. The order is messed up. Instead of the sequence being in a positive way, it's going in a negative direction. I'm not progressing here. I'm going down. What's going on, God? doesn't make sense. How could you do this? How could you not be organized? How could you not do things in a progressive way? But then Moshe Rabbeinu saw the Ark of the Geula. He saw the way that one thing led to another. From that increased pressure on Klai Yisrael, Klai Yisrael started davening to the Rabbi Nishalem. They cried, Vayizako, the more intense the Aveda became, now that there was so much extra Shibut on Klal Yisrael, now all of a sudden, HaKadosh started the Geula percolating. All of a sudden now, oh, there are more, more tension, more bricks, more, more, more quotas. Klal Yisrael cried. Now the Geula was unlocked. Now they're leaving Mitzrayim. Now they're by the, she- by the Yam. Now there's Kriyas Yamsuf. Everything was happening in an orderly way. Now all of a sudden HaKadosh Baruch Hu is showing how organized he really was the whole time. Everything was for a purpose. And now Moshe Rabbeinu says, Ah, Be'oz Chatasi. I didn't see that orderliness. I failed to recognize the Yad Hashem. I thought that Ume'oz from one thing was going down, there was a disorganized path over here that you were taking. I didn't see it. I failed to see how anything was good. I saw the progression as being negative. Umayaz from one step to another was a terrible thing. There's no organization. How could you drop the ball? What's going on over here? Sort of like what we do every day. God, why'd you do that to me? How could you allow me to fail that test? How could you allow me to not get that shit up? How could you allow me to lose the job or to not get the job or to not get into the graduate school or to not, to not get that summer into... What's wrong? How could this happen? Where's the Oz? Where's the natural course that I'm expecting to happen in a good way? Now at the end of the line, Moshe Rabbeinu was able to say, oh, there was an Oz, and it was positive. I just didn't see it as being positive. I, I saw things as being sloppy, but they were so neat. Oz Yashir Moshe. Then Moshe Rabbeinu sang Shira, because the Shira is about the great organization of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. How perfectly HaKadosh Baruch Hu does everything. We don't see it that way because we don't have the trajectory of vision to be able to see what's currently bad as being anything but bad. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if you have that sweep of history, HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows exactly what one thing leads to another. There's an Oz, and the Oz is always with Taivasenu. I want it to be Maisif that that's why perhaps the Shira is written if you notice the way that the Shira is structured, it's brickwork. There's a big brick on top of two small bricks and another big brick on top of two small bricks because the Oz, the original complaint of Oz was about those bricks. Those bricks were assigned to Meshach Rabbeinu that things are running amok, that it's not working out. There's sloppiness here. There's no orderliness. What's going on? They had bricks yesterday. Now they don't have bricks. The Geula is never going to come. Things are just going downhill from here. I'm causing things to be worse for Klal Yisrael. How could you do this? 
But ultimately with the Geula, we sing a Shira of Oz. And the Shira is Dafka with those bricks. Those bricks which symbolize disorder to Maish Rabbeinu. Now he sees that it was so perfectly organized. It's a Reach Agabilavena. It's beautiful. Everything works out just so if you have patience, if you have bitachin, if you really believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the most dire situations in life turn out to work out exactly the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted them to. This is the most important shmuz, I think, that we could discuss because if we could tap into this principle, this Kalmer principle, I'm not saying that we should become Kalm. It's impossible for us. We're Americans. We can't do anything of the sort. Don't even begin to think about regimenting yourself to that degree. But I do think that it is important at least to make our personal lives more organized. To have our beds made every morning. When we go before we go to davening in the morning, make your bed. It's not a big deal. You just go, whoop, and it's, and it's done. It doesn't have to be hospital corners, but just make sure that your sheets are on nicely, your pillows are, your pajamas are folded under your pillow, and you have a night, that the room looks neat. So when you come back later, it's going to look neat. Have a hamper for your, for your dirty laundry. Do your, do your laundry, because say they're folded up. Don't live schlocky. If everything in your life is Shlaki, if your notes are shlaki and your, your loose leaf is shlaki and your, and your gemara is shlaki and everything is shlaki, then you're going to live a shlaki life and you're not going to be able to really appreciate the godliness in life. The more organized that we make ourselves, the more neat our clothing is and the more the things that we have are, are kept proper, our car is neat and our the more that we have neat, we know the difference between when our car is sloppy, when there's stuff all over our car, you know, inside, and everything is thrown there, and there's garbage, and there's bottles, and there's potato chip bags, and whatever. We know it, it makes us feel like, okay, like, you know, you're driving your car, but it's like gross. And then when you clean up your car, you feel like a mensch. You go into a car that's clean, and you feel different. That's how life is. The more that we're clean, the more that we're neat, the more that we're organized the more that we have a Seder in our life, the more beautiful life is. Not because all our problems go away, but at least we could see the world as being a neater place. We could see the Rabbi Shalom being Misadr everything also. Seder is the most important thing that a Jew has. The Altar von Kellam used to say that just like a bracelet, a pearl bracelet, is only as strong as its clasp, the clasp is the part of the bracelet that, that locks the bracelet shut. If you don't have a good clasp on your bracelet, you can have the most precious pearls and diamonds in the world. They're all going to slip right off. You're going to lose your bracelet. The clasp of life, he says, is organization. You could have the greatest gifts in life. You could be smart. You could be healthy. You could be strong. You could be rich. You could be all of the, all the things that we dive in for. You could be. But if you don't have organization, then you have nothing. Look at what we do every day. What are we daven out of? A sitter. What does sitter mean? Sitter is from a lashon of seder. It's organized. You have shachris, you have mincha, you have maiv, kiddush levana, matzai shabbos, v'yitain lecha. Whatever you need, there's an organization to the sitter. That's why it's called a sitter. We have in yeshiva what? First seder. Second seder. Night seder. Seder means you're organized. This is an organization. Everything is neat. Everything has to be stuck to. Everything has to be kept. I keep my Seder. When you get married, there's a Masader Kedushin, somebody that arranges for the marriage. Somebody has to orchestrate things. It's very, very important. On Seder night, we have the Seder. Every Jew in the world keeps the Pesach Seder. Kadesh, Urchatz, Yachatz. There's an order to things. It has to be that way. Sloppiness will lead to nothing. The more neat that we could be, the more organized, the more clean, the more focused we'll be, the more bitachan we will have. I believe that was the Kalmer Messiah. We can't be Kalmers. We don't want to be Kalmers. It's not going to work for us. 
And we should be chilled, we should be relaxed, we should be calm, we should enjoy life, we should be able to breathe easily. But, if we could take one thing from Kelm, it would be, organize your life. Make sure your table is organized. I always have to look at my table to make before I say anything. It's not bad today, actually. But um, make sure you don't have a hundred svarim like all over the place. You took them off the shelf. You didn't put them back. And there's, you know, your styrofoam cup and your dirty tissues and your and, and a million scraps of paper that you don't know where that. That's not a way to live. If you're living that way, then we got to change that a little bit. We don't have to be perfect. We're not looking to make you know perfect people. But the more organized that we could become, the greater we will be in life. You'd be a great husband, a great father, a great employer, a great employee. Everybody likes people that are misudderdic. As long as you're normal. If you're misudderdic, it's a tremendous milo. People that are not misudderdic, you know, it's like, I, I, don't like I, I don't like people that are not misudderdic. It, it gets me nervous. But a person that's misudderdic shows that he has structure to his life. And if I have structure, only then can I see the world as having a perfect structure. Bitachen is not an easy thing. It's very hard to have bitachen. It's nice to talk about it on a Friday morning in a shmuz. But when push comes to shove, when you're going through a crisis, bitachen ahim, bitachen aher, it's not so easy to grasp onto bitachen because, because I'm dying here. Famous you know, joke about a guy who was, uh, you know, he fell off a cliff and he grabbed onto a, a branch. And a voice comes down in Hashemayim and says, let go of the branch. He says, is there anyone else up there? You know, I don't want to let go of the branch. Bitochen is very easy when everything is fine, but do you really have Bitochen? Do you really trust in the Rabbi Nishleilam? It's a hard thing. You can learn Shara Bitochen many years, and it's still when, when the going gets tough, you have to really come up with Bitochen. It's not so easy. But a good start to this bitachin, which will bear fruits of menuchas hanefesh, is being organized. Seeing things with an oz. May oz, oz yashir maisha. I will sing. I will do this, because I know that this will lead to that, which leads to that. HaKadosh Baruch has a plan. I just have to follow the dots. I have to make sure to understand that there is a progression here. That whatever HaKadosh Baruch is doing is with an exact orderly system, with a seder. But I have to be misudder in order to appreciate that. And if I can, then I'll understand that Hashem yilochem ochem v'atem tacharishon. They were able to go into the shiras hayam only once they were able to have vayaminu ba'ashem uvamaysha avdai that bitachen. And that bitachen will lead them v'atem tacharishon. They're able to not just be quiet, but they were calm inside. They felt that they could completely trust in the Rabbi Shalom to hold them and to catch them and to save them. But that was the Aveda of having the proper definition of us. When you believe in us, then you can believe in the Rabbi Shalom. When you believe in the Rabbi Shalom, then you have complete serenity. Knowing that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a plan for us, knowing that HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves us like no other being in the world loves us, he cares for us. Whatever he's doing is purely out of love. And when we understand that, then our life will be amazing. We'll be happy. We'll be peaceful. We'll be able to focus, davening, taira, because we trust in the Rabbi Shalom. But the first step that we could do is to have that seder that we require in order to really fully understand the way that HaKadosh Baruch Hashkacha works in the world. Have a good chance.